You're listening to a production of Swanson Media. I had a choice. I was either A, I could just be pissed off and depressed about it and, you know, and all that, or B, I could sit there and, and say, you know what? I know so many people in this industry, and I know so many people that can come together that normally wouldn't come together and, and do something that's more positive than what we're doing now. I mean, we're a billion-dollar industry. I mean, we're not like we were in the, in the 70s and 80s. You know, we're, you know, catching up to things. So I think now is the perfect time for us to, like, really take this, you know, whole industry to another level and show people that we are far more than just the bikers and, the, and the, you know, the, the guys that get tattooed and the truckers and all that bullshit. Like we're actually a real industry that we can provide, you know, something far more than just body art to people, you know? Hey, everyone. This is the Sullen Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Swanson. That was my guest for this episode, tattooer Clint Cummings. He was talking about his reaction to being diagnosed with colorectal cancer. I got to talk with uh, Clint this last week and uh, right before he had to go in for another round of chemo to hopefully shrink his tumor even more than uh, it has shrunk already. So um, his attitude was positive. He seemed upbeat. Um, I'm sure it can be difficult at uh, at times for him right now. So I would encourage you guys to go out and encourage him on social media um, after listening to the show. His Instagram is at Art of the Wolf. This last week, one of the chess pieces I got to design was this big eagle chess piece. And, you know, I was happy with the design. It had banner. It had a shield, some lettering, um, some flowers. And I really was happy with it. So I posted it up on Instagram. And sure enough, 30 minutes before I'm supposed to go in to start this big tattoo on this guy's chest, he calls me with some critiques. He wanted the thing simplified a little bit. And... I wish that I had known about the digital brush set from TattooSmart.com. Even if you're driving, raise a hand if you've heard of TattooSmart.com. This is Russ Abbott's new company. It's a digital tools store. They have modern digital tools and tutorials to help us as tattooers be more effective in your design, workflow, and entire tattoo process. These tools can be used no matter what style of tattooing you're doing. They have digital palettes, tutorials, brush sets, like the banner brush set that I wish I had had this last week, and much more. Tattooing is constantly changing. We see that happening. Everyone is looking for a way to set themselves apart as a tattooer. Don't get left behind. Get the tools you need at TattooSmart.com. Use the promo code SWANSON. That's right, SWANSON, my last name, S-W-A-N-S-O-N, at checkout, and you get 10% off your first order at TattooSmart.com. Remember, use the promo code SWANSON at checkout, and you'll get 10% off your order at TattooSmart.com. Tattoo Smart, ancient craft, modern perspective. So my kid is totally growing this last uh, week. I just realized how big he's getting. It's crazy. He was born on leap day, and it's amazing and exciting to watch him grow. It's been a little bit of a challenge to figure out my schedule and, you know, keep time for family and work and podcasting and all these other things going on. But um, it's been fun, and I think we're slowly kind of rolling into a routine with it. So um, I've been able to tattoo a couple of really fun pieces recently that, uh, you know, I've been having fun using some new equipment. I got the new uh, Atom Power Supply from Critical Tattoo, and that's been fun to use. What a cool little power supply that thing is. And been uh, anxious to get some coil machines from uh, Union Machine that are coming my way. I'm super excited to use those. I don't know why I've been itching to use coil machines. And um, so things are great. Things are fun on the tattoo front. And, um, you know, you can check out my work if you're interested in it at OG Joe Swanson. I'm on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you can also check out SullenRadio.com for artwork, prints I have. Um, I also have right now a one-off hand-etched amber glass ashtray. It's currently available for 60 bucks, So check it out, and you can pick that thing up if you like it at SullenRadio.com. Well, this talk with Clint was fun. We had a uh, chance to talk definitely about his situation with cancer, but we also got to talk about his experience tattooing on different t TV shows, his apprenticeship, you know, charities that he's doing now, travel. He, got, he went to... Uh, Japan uh, recently and you know much more so it was 
uh, fun talk, and it was encouraging to me to see him being set in front of circumstance that uh, are pretty intense and have such a great attitude. You know, he's uh, very uh, positive, and, you know, my hope is that you guys will be also encouraged by this talk. You know, we recorded this, and there was some pretty bad storms in Texas, and our connection on Skype cut off, like, right at the last end of the show. I think all the pertinent stuff had already been taken care of. He had given out his Instagram and all those things, but we didn't actually have a, an actual wrap-up to the show, which I think we can use that as a reminder that the conversation about cancer awareness doesn't have to end, guys. I'm excited for you guys to listen to this podcast. This is a Sullen Radio podcast. I'm Joe Swanson, and this is my talk with tattooer Clint Cummings. Enjoy. This is Sullen Radio with Joe Swanson, the premier art-driven podcast. Hey, everybody. This is Joe Swanson. This is Sullen Radio podcast. My guest today is Clint Cummings. You, maybe you've seen him on Tattoo Nightmares, Ink Master. If you're down rolling around in Texas, you might have got tattooed by this guy. What's happening, Clint? Hey, how you doing, brother? Man, I'm good. You know, it's uh, it's 8 a.m. It's 10 a.m. for you. We're both not morning people, but hey, man, we're grinding it out. You know, get this thing in, and um, I appreciate you coming on. We spoke about it a little bit before we clicked record. Um, right now, you're going through a, uh, a part of your journey that is maybe disfavorable. It is disfavorable, you know what I mean? And um, it, Or it can have disfavorable parts. You were diagnosed with cancer. Um, mm -hmm. Talk about that experience, that diagnosis, kind of what your life has been since that moment when you were sitting there and you got that news. I mean, it was weird, you know, like uh, it really started uh, about November or December. Like I was just, you know, I know I knew something was wrong and I had a trip planned to Tokyo. So I went ahead and took a trip to Tokyo. But as soon as I got back, um, it was right in December. It was like right before Christmas. I told them, I went to my doctor and I said, listen, you know, something's not right. We're going to have to go up there and scope. You know, we got to, we got to really see what the hell's going on here because everything I was trying, you know, I thought at first maybe it was just infections or, you know, a hernia or, you know, something and then nothing was working. So I went to a specialist and they went ahead and did a colonoscopy and everything like that. And, uh, January 3rd, I got a phone call and, uh, it was funny cause they kept telling me like throughout the day, they were like, um, your doctor's going to call you later, you know, just stay by the phone and it kept you know kept getting this phone call and finally around like 4 30 i was like look you know you guys close at five it's cancer right and she's like yeah it's cancer and i was, <laughs> what, and I was like well, what stage is it you know i mean the, i don't blame them i mean i've known i've gone to them for a while so i mean that's got to be hard to drop that on somebody you know especially mm -hmm. with the phone. i think they were wanting me to come in you know they thought i'd be emotional about it but uh you know i just i mean you know you had a feeling about it yeah, I kind of knew. I just, you know, when you go through, you know, one, two, three, four, you know, you just get to that bottom level where, you know, nothing right there is really anything that you want, but you know, it's going to be one of those. So, but I mean, you know, I mean, if it had to happen to somebody, thank God it was me because, you know, I have the ability to handle this. I mean, you wouldn't necessarily think that with some of the shows that I've probably been on and losing my shit on some people, but that's completely different. That's, that's, that's tattoo talk. That's, that's, you know, has nothing to do with the cancer at all. That's like, business. This is life. And what in life? Totally different when someone critiques like your artwork and it tear apart. But you know, when it came to this, like you know, I knew right away, like just from talking to people and, and you know, clients and family members and friends, you know, and everybody that's been through it, you know, I knew that my attitude immediately is going to be something that's going to have you know have to change. I need to be positive about this. You know, I need to I need to look at it as like you know, this is. A time in my life that you know the good lord called upon me to you know use whatever attention or notoriety that i do have to to help others instead of just helping myself and that's kind of what i'm doing now you know I'm, I'm reaching out to a lot of people that are really sick around the world and i just talk to them you know how's that how's that helped you in your path um it kind of it, it actually showed me that i can do more with less and what i mean by that is like you know i was doing you know good with the tattooing and everything like that but now you know that i, I can't even tattoo um I, I mean i can't draw i can't can't tattoo i can't do really any kind of artistic you know anything i'm painting a little bit right now for my benefit but um i mean all that's been kind of taken away from me with the neuropathy from the chemotherapy and the, and the you know radiation and everything like that but uh 
it goes back to what I was saying about working with less because since I don't have the ability to capture people's attention with my artwork, I got to do it with my experience of what I'm going through. And that's what I think I'm trying to do right now is just show people that, you know, like, number one, I'm, I'm a human being. I'm not this crazy Tasmanian devil that runs around on TV shows and just causes a ruckus. Um, two is that, you know, I, yeah, I'm a, you know, 20 plus year tattoo artist. I, uh, I own my own studio and everything like that, but I'm not like pigheaded. I'm not arrogant. You know, I don't, uh, you know, I don't see myself as, uh, being selfish at all. You know, I, I, you know, whatever I can do for anybody I can. And I think that what I'm doing now is just sharing my story because there's so many people out there that probably have less. They might not have family members to, to lean on. They might not have, you know, the friendships that I do. And they might not have an industry as supporting as I do. So, you know, I look at it as like, you know, if my experience can help them out, if me just talking about it helps them out, then it's, you know, it's it's my job. That's that's what I, you know, that's what I signed up for when I went on TV and did all this, you know, you know, I knew what was going to come from that. And now I can either be, you know, pigheaded about this or I can actually, you know, do something about this and get the word out there because, I mean, I'm only 35. I didn't know that this was the third leading, you know, cancer in the world that's killing people and it hits it affects people between the ages of you know 25 to 45 i mean this is all information that every time i tell somebody they're like oh i didn't know that i'm like yeah nobody does yeah talk about the kind of cancer it is and and um kind of the effects that that it's having to kind of take you out of that game um the chemo is is got to be rough on you and then i do want to get into um you know your time spent on on the two shows you know some of that, some of the more tattooing stuff that you that you've recently been into. Um, your work is amazing; it, it, it's it's it great stuff. So, but talk about that. You know the type of cancer you have. Educate some people on on you know what it uh, what it's about. Um, so I was diagnosed with colorectal cancer, and colorectal cancer is a cancer that affects your colon. Mm-hmm. So basically, in a nutshell, the ability to go to the bathroom early in the morning is taken away from me. Like, that's what was, was really catching my attention. I couldn't go to the bathroom. And if you can't go to the bathroom for a couple of days, it sucks. But when you go for three weeks, like, it was a pain. I mean, I always associated cancer with being sick, you know, like, oh, it's like the flu or something like that, which it is. You know, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm up and down all the time, but I never really associated pain with it. That was the hardest part. Like, I don't ever want to see anybody go through the pain that I went through. I mean, I was taking, like, six to ten more, like, morphine pills at a time. Of course, I found out that morphine doesn't work on me, but I was, I was doing anything I can. I was, I mean, I was hitting my guys up and being like, yo, I mean, I'm at the point now where I'm, I'm talking heroin, crack, whatever. You know, I can't go through this anymore. I spent the whole month of January laying on my couch. And the crazy part was that the last tattoo that I did was actually on Ink Masters for my redemption. Hmm. So, I mean, go figure. You know, the, the very last tattoo that I've done, you know, if I was to leave the earth today, that would be the last tattoo, and it happened to be on TV land. So, um, no, I mean, it's just, it, it kind of hit me, you know, I didn't see it coming, that's for sure. Like, you never do, but I mean, like, it wasn't like a big, like, long, drawn-out process or anything like that. It just happened, and then, you know, instead of, like, getting depressed about it or, you know, you know really start tripping on it or anything like that, I just, uh, I went ahead and decided to learn about it, and, um, and just put my faith into the doctors. And then, uh, unfortunately, um, when I got back from Ink Masters, I, was, I wasn't doing chemo or anything yet, and I was waiting to see my doctors, and I got really, really sick. Like, I still couldn't go to the bathroom, so I had to go in for an emergency surgery. Um, I just so happened to be a Denver Broncos fan, and, like, last time they went to the Super Bowl, I was 17, so I was excited to tell to see them in the Super Bowl, but I had to go in and have surgery. So, the day, be- like, the day before, I had to have an emergency surgery and it, and it got me an ostomy. And what that is is like it, it basically your large intestine comes down and then your colon. So they noticed that my my cancer itself was directly in my colon. It hasn't shot up yet. So um, they went and took that large intestine, cut it in half, and now you know I got like like this bag. It's like a it's a, it's an ostomy bag and it basically works as my colon. So wow, that down there doesn't work at all. That right there, it's it's embarrassing and uh it's a pain in the ass for sure but if i didn't have it done i wouldn't be alive i mean that's how close i was i was like this close they said if you don't do this right now you're not going to make it through the weekend and it just so happened that you know one of the shows the one of the you know the shows that i did was tattoo nightmares miami and uh that show was great and it was also you know bad in a lot of ways um 
I developed a relationship with both High Noon and Reese, and uh, unfortunately, you know, one of those relationships is still really, really positive, and the other one didn't, you know, pan out so well. But I mean, I mean, that's just life. That's just the way it goes. I mean, she's a fantastic tattoo artist. She's a wonderful human being. You know, great woman, everything like that. But for some odd reason, I just wasn't her cup of tea anymore. So that that kind of I think in a, in a lot of ways that kind of started the whole process because, you know, it was a very rough breakup. You know, whenever you do, you know, I always told myself never to get in a relationship with somebody that I do business with. But, uh, I mean, you can't help what the heart wants, you know. So we uh, we had a relationship for a little while there. And, you know, I did everything I thought I could to, you know, make it work. But it just didn't. And, uh, you know, it hit me hard. You know, so, I mean, for the next, like, six months, I just drank a lot and didn't do shit. You know, I just kind of chilled and, you know, just faded off. And uh, that probably couldn't, that probably you know, it wasn't the smartest thing in the world to do, but I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. But, Talk about that time on the, uh, the TV shows. Um, when did you decide that, Hey, this is going to be a platform that I can use and let me, let me get after it. Um, honestly, like, you know, it was weird how TV came about because like, uh, my guys at the shop, they knew about Ink Masters and things like that, but I'm not really a big TV guy. I'm more of a movie guy. So I never really watched TV. Um, I knew Billy Vegas before any of the Ink Master stuff or anything like that, and they were telling me that, you know, hey, your friend Billy's on it, and I was like, so I watched it for just a couple minutes, and I just, I kind of just saw them tattooing, and I was like, okay, it's just like Miami Ink or anything else, you know, and I just kind of, you know, blew it off, and then, like, about a month later, I got a phone call, and they're like, hey, you know, we're, you know, blah, 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 from Ink Master and all that, we'd love for you to come down and do an on-screen camera interview and everything like that, and I was like, I was like, you know, I don't really think that's for me or anything like that. I really wasn't for it, you know, but the guys at the shop, they were like, this is great. You know, it's good publicity. You got to go down and do it. Da, 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 da. They're asking for you and all that. So I was like, whatever. And uh, it's funny because like the night before the interview, because Austin's only like two and a half hours away from me. Night before the interview, I'm, I'm out with my boys and we're getting, you know, just lit up and everything like that. And then, um, you know, one of my best friends, he's like, you got that interview in the morning. You didn't go. And I was like, I got to, if I do, I got to leave in an hour. I got to like, you know try to drive down there and everything like that and like you got to go so i you know i hit starbucks and i and i haul ass to austin like <laughs> i do this interview with these two girls and i'm drunk as hell so i'm still drunk and they're talking to me but they're asking me questions i have no clue about they're like what do you think about david Barr? and i'm like what the fuck's this guy got to do with anything and i'm like you know fuck him and all this shit and they're asking me about ollie and i was like yeah I've tattooed deep elm across from that motherfucker you know forever you know i was like what's it you know I don't give a shit about what his short ass has to say about anything. And they're like, perfect. You know, this is great. And then I started eating their like breakfast and stuff. And they're like, you can't do that. And I was like, fuck you guys. I can do whatever I want. And I just blew it off, you know. And when I left, I knew I had the job because of the fact that like with TV, there's two things that work. Either A, you know, you get the people laughing and they'll, they'll love you. Or B, is you get the people that hate you and they'll love you. And I was making that girl, you know, all both of them were just laughing their ass off and everything like that. And I walked out of there and I was like, I know I'm going to, I'm going to get this job. And sure shit, like a week later, I got the phone call and they're like, yeah, you're going to be shipped off to New York to do this. And, and that's why I was so pissed off on my season because I had no clue what I was getting into. And if I, if, if I did, I wouldn't have done it. Like I, I showed up and I know, and I was like, okay, I know who Tattoo Baby is. I've known her forever. And uh, Jesse Smith, I mean, I've known of him for a long time. And then I finally got to meet him, which was really weird because I was the only person that knew who Jesse was on my show. Everybody else didn't have a clue who this cat was. And I'm like, how the hell do you not know who Jesse Smith is? Like, seriously. It's funny because I told him about Jesse. And I go, Google that guy. Google him and look his shit up. The next day, everybody was kissing his ass in a row. Dude. I'm telling you. Just, it was the most brown-nosing thing I've ever been a part of. And I was like, this motherfucker here. And, uh, but, I mean, that's why I was so agitated on my season was because, like, they were just, like, for instance, like, Sarah Miller and I did this. You know, we did a collaboration in front of, you know, Freddie Negretti. You know, I mean, this is Freddie Negretti for crying out loud. You know, the last thing I want to do is give him some bullshit black and gray, you know. So, <laughs> me and Sarah, man, we really worked this collaboration. And we're the only people that do one tattoo with two tattoo artists. Everybody else is working on one person, but like two legs or something like that. There's no way in hell there's any kind of collaboration other than the fact that it's on the same person. And they throw us in the bottom, and I'm, like, pissed off now because, number one, Freddie Negretti's there. And the last thing I want to be is on the bottom for that. Two is that I'm the only motherfucker that did a collaboration, and I'm down here for this? And I was like, you know, it was just a lot of crap. But then I realized that TV doesn't necessarily work on what it is you do. And if you watch the show now, it's more based on just finding the right people to piss off, and then you get a great TV show out of it. So I learned a lot about it. But, 
I mean, obviously I did something right because they gave me a call to come back and do um, uh, the Tattoo Nightmare thing. And uh, that was awesome. I loved it. You know, I went on there and I like, you know, every tattoo I did, I had a, like, uh, like a vendetta. Like I went in there just nasty. I was like, y'all just shut up and get the hell out of my way. I'm doing these tattoos. Like the mole tattoo I did, that, that big mole on that guy's leg and it had like the, the anchor and all that. Like that wasn't actually my tattoo. That was supposed to be high noons, but you know, he couldn't figure it out. He's like, I can't tattoo this mole. I mean, this damn thing was like, I'm kidding you not, it was a, as big as the CD. And he wanted to cover it up. And he, this guy's never been tattooed before. Wow. I mean, it took us like a good week to figure out what we're going to do. And finally, I just, I had to like, you know, I had to go back into like my artistic, you know, you know, days of growing up as a tattoo artist. And I just sat with down with the guy. I said, listen, none of your ideas are going to work, but, you know, tell me about your life. And then he, as he started rapping with me, he said that, you know, he loves going fishing and all that. And I was like, cool, check this out. And I just threw him in the chair and I just drew around it and then I just masked it all off and they were just like I don't know if we could do this on TV or anything like that I'm like just shut up and film me drawing on his leg and then I'll tattoo it and it'll be badass and then they were just like okay so that's what I did <laughs> and from there on out they let me do whatever the fuck I wanted you know they were like Clint just have at it so isn't that cool when you can find those moments in a tattoo or with a client where nothing's working you're hitting walls you know, it's not coming together and then you sit down, you scrap everything that you've kind of talked about or, or done and you just go, talk to me about it. Like, what do you, what, what, what do you like? Talk to me about your life and, and you move into a situation where all of a sudden ideas start flowing and the, the best part about it is like the, like the end result and like you guys come up with something that was far greater than what you guys initially started with. Uh -huh. You you feel satisfied because you got to do an awesome tattoo and they feel satisfied because they're leaving with something that they had no idea that they could even get. Mm -hmm. That to me was, you know, the most rewarding thing, especially with that guy. Cause I mean, he cried his eyes out. He said that he was a coach and, uh, you know, he coaches little kids and everything like that. And they're always pointing at it and things like that. And now that, you know, I covered it up for him I and mean, I still talk to him and he's like, he hasn't gotten tattooed since, but he's like, you know, he was like, you know, it was a blessing to run into you. And that's what, you know, that's what our job is. You know, is, is you guys, a lot of people take tattooing for granted and a lot of things have gotten like uh, out of hand, if you will. Like it just seems like now everybody's about posting things and, and getting as much likes as you can and much, you know, publicity and, and sponsorships and all that jazz. And I'm like, you know, when I was growing up, we didn't care about that shit. Like we didn't have internet when I was in a tattoo shop. We had Judy Flash, you know, you know, Judy Parker Flash on the wall, you know, and, and things like that, you know, we just did what we did and all the tattoo shops would meet up at night and have dinner together and we talk about the tattoos we did and if if we had photos, I mean, you had to go get them developed on film. Right. Seriously, like that's the way it was, shit was when I was learning how to tattoo. Has, has your mindset, has your mindset changed um, since, you, you know, using your, your social media platforms right now as more of a, an awareness building tool as opposed to a business building tool, has that idea of what you post changed and that mindset of using a different change since you had this uh, fork in the road? I wouldn't say it's changed. I think what's what's going on is that, you know, like, you know, I've always tried to put it out there, like, you know, to tell people, you know, well, tattoo artists, you know, whether they're, you know, up and coming or they've been established for 20 plus years, you know, and I've tried to tell them, like, you know, don't take it for granted. Seriously, like, you know, if you're able to wake up and, and, you know, go to work and do an awesome tattoo, there's no way in hell that you have any, you know, particular reason to bitch. I mean, you're, you're, you're a king, you know, you're the king of your own castle. I mean, you can't get that. You know, I look at it every day and I see people out there, you know, when I go to the hospital to do my chemo, I mean, I see people in there that are like doing their chemo by themselves and they're working two or three jobs. And I'm like, how the hell are you going to work if, like this, I can't even like get up to take a shower. And these people have to do this because they have nobody else to rely on. And and it's just there's so many people out in the world that would kill to have what you know tattoo artists have, which is the ability to make a living off of your talent. And and a damn good one too, you know, especially with the way that the world is, you know, as far as accepting tattoos and, and now they're like mainstream and you know all this jazz. You know, I mean I was at the tail end of the struggle, you know, I started off in the, you know, early 90s, you know, and things started, you know, were, you know, evolving and things like that. So I got to taste both sides of the spectrum. But as far as using my social media, I mean, there's so many things that I want to get across now that, that, you know, I think tie in with tattooing and just, you know, the way we live our lives. And, you know, I want people to be more, um, 
I want people to be, uh, you know, more grateful for what they have and less, you know, um, pushy when it comes to like, you know, making social media their, their entire life, like judging their tattoos off of how many likes they get or, or, or how many followers you have or, or who's, you know, pushing your work on, on, on what site or whatever, you know, and none of that shit matters. It really doesn't. You know, if you're a good tattoo artist, people are going to find out. I have known that forever. Yeah. I mean, it's what? just the way it is. But I mean, if I can educate, you know, my peers into being more grateful for what they have and use their talents for more than just, you know, their self, that would be, you know, fantastic. That's one of the reasons why I started the benefit. Um, another thing is, you know, to educate people out in the world that, you know, that we, you know, we're blessed to do what we do and there's more to us than just that. You know, I, I see us as the, we're the new Rembrandt, you know, we're, we're the, you know, Donatello's and the Raphael's of our generation, you know, I mean, guys like, you know, Nico or Joe or, or you know, these guys are the, you know, the, the fathers that, of, you know, our industry and our industry is probably the most renowned artistic industry that we have. I mean, we even think about music now. I mean, you just download it and everything like that. It's not the same. But when it comes to tattooing, it's just so evolved now. And it's like, it's at the pinnacle of, of respect from, from everybody now. And I think now is the perfect time for us to take it to another level and show them that we are far more capable than just, you know, this, you know, this self-absorbed, uh, this persona that we carry with us now. And, you know, I got a lot of great artists backing me on this, and I'm really hoping that, you know, this thing takes off and that we can change the mindset of tattooing just in general. I see a lot more happy people at conventions, too, for sure. <laughs> yeah, talk about that, man, because I, I think I kind of feel a sense of the, the, the big sponsorship thing and, and all that, the big uh, or so many conventions happening every weekend is kind of coming to rolling to an end i mean not not necessarily to an end but to like a slowdown you know? It is, um, you know i was just talking about this man i did like uh i did close to 40 shows in like 20 2010 i did close to 40 shows and i was doing shows for two really good friends of mine i was just going every weekend just back and forth just hitting them and um it was draining and it was exhausting and i kept thinking about man you know it's it, i wish it was 95 again like I wish I can go to the tech, you know, the 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 tattoo show that was in Dallas that Tramp and 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 uh, um, uh, shit, I can't think of his name now, but Tramp put on a show, mm -hmm. you know, the the guy that owns Eternal and everything like that, and he put on a show, and uh, it was like world renowned. Like I would go there and I'd see guys like you know Guy Atchison and, and, and Jimmy Litwalk and 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 these huge tattoo artists that you only knew about them through magazines. And they would all be there. And it'd be real quiet. I mean, the, the setup was beautiful. Nobody had a lot of crap out. It wasn't a lot of, you know, just, you know, it was just all about that art. And every time that they would do the awards or anything like that, everybody stopped what they were doing and go downstairs. And the guy that got best of day, you know, I mean, everybody took him out, everything like that. And you guys got best of show. I mean, that was something that people found out around the world. I mean, I know for a fact that, like, in 19, what, 97, I think Tony Chivaro won best of, best of show there. And then... Two years later, I think it was Liz Cook. You know, I seen Timmy B. Win it. You know, I mean, it's just things like that. That you know, if nowadays if you go and you ask somebody about a show that was last week, unless it's Hell City or something like that, people aren't going to know anything. Yeah, these tattoo artists are all up and down, and everything's just dropped off now. I've worked at shows that I've seen tattoo artists that are like have no business being there, like tattooing with like just the worst equipment, with absolutely no idea about cross contamination or any any form of, of sterility. I mean, it's just. It's, it's getting to the point now where as long as you have a couple bucks in your pocket, you can get in and do whatever the hell you want. And Yeah, you know, I think it's going to be, I think the regulation is going to come harder. You know, I think those promoters are going to be forced to to regulate and to, and to have the health departments in there being involved more heavily. I know that's going on in California since, you know, a few years back implementing AB 300. You know, that's, you know, it hasn't had a huge impact on us, but I think for those um, for those conventions that we, we are going to around in our area, you know, the health departments are being involved. They are checking to make sure at least that you know about cross-contamination. They're not checking quality of work, but that's the promoter that has to do that, man. I mean, the promoter's got to check the quality of work for the people that he's inviting there and selling those booths for. And then let the health department come in and make sure that they're squared away on their health. I mean, it, it, you hit the nail on the head. You know, it starts with the promoter. Like, 
it took me years. It took me years to get into Hell City. And, you know, every year that I never, you know, got invited or anything like that, I never got mad. I never threw a fit or anything like that. I was like, you know what? It's just not my time yet. And then finally, when Derb, you know, gave me my invitation, I was like, honored to be at that show. And that's the way I think it's going to start revolving to. It's going to start either A, people are going to, like, give up on the convention scene. And basically, either A, guest spotting is going to be the new thing. You know, it's going to kind of, you know, history is going to repeat itself. And it's going to go back to those quieter conventions where it's going to be limited artists. Like, you don't need 500 tattoo artists at a fucking convention. I mean, seriously. I mean, if you got if you got 50 good tattoo artists, that outweighs 500 bad tattoo artists any day of the week. I'd rather go to a show that had two rows that had all just amazing tattoo artists compared to one show that had, like, a big damn stage with the music blaring in my face and, like, all these crazy-ass setups. And it's just, like, it's just it's just nonsense. It's getting to be, like, you know, I, I feel like, you know, you got to treat it the way you, 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 you know, perceive it, you know? So if you perceive it as a prestigious thing, then you obviously, you know, it's going to be that. And if you see it as something that's just going to be a cash cow, then it's just going to be that, too, you know? Yeah. Well, it definitely, it definitely has to do with the promoter and, and what their intentions are and, and what they're really trying to do. And it goes back to, you know, shit like Boog said on the podcast, you know, it's, it's about what are you putting back into the industry, not what you're taking out. It's like what Jack Rudy said, stop supporting douchebags. You know what I mean? You stop supporting those people that are putting on the shitty shows just for the cash cow aspect of it. And... It's you know it's it's just taking time and money and and everything away and notoriety away from those other shows that people could do. Get your name you know submit your your artwork every year to those shows. Eventually you're going to get in if you're working towards a goal of yeah, improving you your artwork, improving your tattooing, um, taking advantage of all these fucking resources. Man, we got. Tattoo Now that streams seminars. Tattoo Smart, Russ Abbott's new company that, that the show, the podcast is going to get involved with as well, um, which is all about digital stuff, man. It's, it's tools that are out there for artists to use and enhance their work. And I just don't think there's any reason why people shouldn't be taking advantage of that. And, <clears throat> man, you know, put your, put your time into what's, what's going to uh, give you the best benefit. Yeah, exactly. You know, I tell my boys, you know, I'm like, you know, if you think like a millionaire and you act like a millionaire, eventually you're going to be a millionaire. And, it, you know, it takes 10 years of hard work to be an overnight success. Mm -hmm. Bottom line. You know, a lot of guys, they want it so fast. I mean, they just, they want it really quickly. You know, they're like, oh, man, I want what you got and everything like that. I'm like, dude, I started tattooing in 1994. Mm -hmm. I mean, it doesn't seem like it was like a long way, but that was, you know, 20 plus years ago. Right. I mean, started when I was a kid. And then the way I started, like, I went to a shop and I had to earn the respect of the artist before they even talk about giving me an apprenticeship mm -hmm. and at, at that time i mean we were still building needles you know i mean with a needle jig and, and doing a solder and then having that taste in your mouth oh uh, it's gross right doing my apprenticeship for like two years you know under guys like you know like caesar you know hector book i mean i was down there with all those cats you know in in the you know late 90s you know early 2000 you know tattooing with those guys and that's right books from texas huh yeah, he, I actually tattooed in the same shop with him for a while there. I thought it was funny that my room was bigger than his, and he was, just, <laughs> he was you know, a lot bigger, book. but uh, it was funny because he was working in his room with like, a copy machine next to him all this. I was like, damn, how did man, you fit in here? <laughs> I was like, how was that? Tell me about that, man. Tell me about working with Boog back in the day. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, Boog's Boog. You know, he's just a straight-up G. I mean, uh, I learned a lot from that cat, you know, and, uh, you know, I love him to death. You know, he's been through, you know, his... Uh, you know, his, his good days and bad days, just like all of us. But, I mean, it's it's great to see him. I mean, he's a world traveler now. He's always in, like, France or China or you know, wherever the hell he goes. Yeah, but every he's... time I run into him, like, I ran into, like, I seen him, like, about two years ago in Philly. He was like, what are you doing here? And I was like, yeah, we got to grow up. But uh, <laughs> he really is. I love him to death, you know. And, uh, you know, I got my CS tattoo from a cat that got his from Blue. That was our connection, everything like that. And, uh. That's great. He's a good dude. He showed me a lot, especially when it comes to, like, you know, doing scripts and things like that, you know, and uh, it was just cool hanging out with him. I mean, I didn't get to tattoo with him that long, but, you know, the short time that I did, I learned a lot, you know, and I got you know, a lot of respect for him. I really do. Like, he's a good dude. 
And I think that's like the fun thing about doing guest spots sometimes is those, yeah, and, I mean, and conventions. I mean, you get out of your shop, you get out of the, you know, people feeding you bullshit that you're the best and, you know, all your clients are saying that. So want to, you know, get out to a convention, get out to a guest spot, you know, sit with some other people who are going to be able to teach you. I mean, shit, man, I, I did some guest spots. I did one guest spot where I got one of my first like my, probably my real first portfolio critique from another artist that was that I respected and I knew he was coming at me from a, a place of like wanting to improve me um, as an artist man he tore the shit out of that thing and I, and it took me a, a day to like really kind of reel from it and then realize like okay I can get better and that's what he's wanting me to do is to get better and let me dig into these some of these little formulas and some of these things and think about what he's saying about reference and and, yeah. and structure and and shit like that. And you know man, those are the times that that I'm so grateful for in my career that that I got, you know, those those hard lessons. It's it's the little things that the that the big guys tell you that really stick, you know, and it's just a matter of of, you know, putting down your pride and knowing that, you know, I mean, obviously, some people are going to come at you sideways, and you just got to sniff through, you know, what's what works for you and what doesn't. But, like, I've, you know, I remember when Starlight, like, opened up in Vegas, and I went out there to try to get a job, and I was there with Clean Rock One and uh, um, with uh, Tom Renshaw or something like that, and and just a bunch of badasses, and I had no business being there. I think Mike Demosky was there and everything like that, but they started going through my portfolio, and they were they were kind of ripping it up, you know, everything like that. But I mean, I took it all with a grain of salt and I was like, you know, these guys are the best, you know, I mean, they're telling me what's wrong with my work. So I need to improve on it. You know, it's funny that like years later I'm doing a show with clean and, and things like that. But, uh, I mean, every, everything like that, you know, I mean, I took all that, those little tiny bits that people tore me up, you know, whether it was Joe Capo or, or clean rock one or any of these things. And I never got mad at any of them. I always was showing them how grateful it was. And then, on top of that, I showed it through my work. Yeah. A lot of times, you know, when you tell somebody, you know, I've done it too. I've talked to young artists coming up and you see one of the things, either A, they, they, they stay the course, they just go with the way they go and they think you're full of shit. Or you, you see them a few years later and their work's drastically improved and they come up and they thank you and then you build relationships on that. Yeah. I have a lot of relationships that started off with people carrying me a new one. <laughs> <laughs> I do, man. People look at my work and they're like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Are you blind? I'm like, no, nah, I'm just, you know, I'm not as good as I will be in a couple of years. So, I mean, that's the way I roll. I mean, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't ever get really pissed off at like, you know, people telling me this or that or anything like that. I mean, once, you know, when you go to TV land, I mean, after that, nothing, nothing makes you mad anymore. Yeah. You know, I was talking to Mark Longnecker who was on the show last and um, he <laughs> was, we were talking about how that Ink Master show is at this point, it's kind of like, you know, a, a big street shop environment because any of the flash challenges or any of the other challenges that they're putting in front of you, you're having to just react to that artistically, take it on and get it done. I mean, it's like the days of being a tattooer in the 90s where you had to deal with anything that walked in the shop, whether that was a tribal armband, a portrait, a Japanese sleeve, you know, whatever it was. And I think it's an interesting version of, of that. And it really does um, you know, hit the, hit the, hit the artist straight ahead, man. And, and all of a sudden you're there with a time limit and not that you have a time limit necessarily in a street shop, but you know, that, that kind of think on your feet quick, get it done, use your talent and, and, you know, move forward. Experience as like a convention setting where like, if you walked in, you had so much time to do a tattoo for best of day. Right. Or nature. So I took it like that. So I never really had a problem with the time. Um, I had a more of a problem with the fact that I didn't get that much time to work with my clients. Like they would bring them in, it would be real late, you'd be tired as hell. You try to talk to them for 30 minutes and get whatever you can out of them, and then they're off, and then you tattoo them the next day at like 7 a.m. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, man, you guys are running us ragged. But I mean, there's benefits to the show and there's downsides, just like everything else, you know. And I'll always defend it. Um, yeah, I know I said earlier that if I had a chance, I would not do it again, but. Um, or why is that? Um, cause it brought on, I'm just, you know, I, I worked really, really hard for 20 years to get myself the respect that I have in, in the industry from, you know, some artists. I'm sure there's a lot of artists out there that don't necessarily like me and that's cool too. Um, 
but I mean, I did work to build the relationships that I have with the people that I know. And it was through, you know, going to conventions or, or, or just, you know, doing the best that I can with every tattoo that I was given and always being humble and, and just showing people respect. And that's where, you know, I got my name. And I think it was tarnished a little bit by doing TV because now I'll never live that down. That reality TV star is going to be above that tattoo order, you know, label forever. And so, you know, I always yeah, have... Yeah, but I think that's just... Honestly, man, I think that's... Who's that impressing... Ta or who's that about? It's about other tattoo artists which aren't putting necessarily the money in your pocket. You know, the general public is putting the money in your pocket getting tattooed by you um and so i think like expanding that expanding that exposure just because you did that it was another way of expanding your exposure and i think that's the that's the benefit side of the whole league master show is that you know if you cut out all the bullshit i mean it really is a show that's teaching people to respect their body art more and to be um more in tune with you know the artist and and work together mm -hmm. i mean there's a lot of benefits to this show that people don't necessarily, you know, read on because they're so drawn into Sarah Miller losing her shit or you know, <laughs> person losing her shit, you know, and, yeah. and, you know, obviously that's, that's great, you know, keep you entertained and everything like that. But the bottom, you know, the bottom line is that, you know, it's a show that's teaching people that there is a difference between good body art and bad. Yeah. There's a big difference between getting tattooed by me for $300 compared to getting tattooed by this guy down the street in his kitchen for $40. Yeah. Is a big difference. So, I mean, and if you look on social media, you see that now. Like, I remember, you know, like seeing all these house tattoos, on, you know, and then when Emacs started coming around, people started not doing that so much. They started realizing the difference between the two. And so, a lot of ways, it shows helped our industry as much, as much as it's hurt, you know, because, again, I mean, it's just, it's just my opinion, but I hate it. Like, when I'm at a show and people come up to me and they're talking about, you know, Emacs or Tattoo Nightmares, and they want to get tattooed by me because they saw me as a personality on TV rather than the artist that I am. Mm. Like 20 years of hard work for, for what? Just so I could be known for a loud mouth and a crazy hairdo? I mean. Yeah, but I mean, you know, one of the hardest things is getting that person to walk up to you, you know, and find yeah. you. And so, like, you know, that was always that. It goes back to that street shop thing of you got to get them in the you got to get them in the door. You know, if they call you, you got to get them in the door. Once they're in the door, it's your sales skills, it's your artistic ability that's going to capture them. They don't have to get tattooed by you. So sure. just because they're talking to you doesn't mean that they're going to sit down. It's your ability that's going to take them to that next step and getting them to drop that deposit, sit in the chair right then, whatever it is. So, I mean, I think it's just, it's, it's a big business card, you know, and, and times are changing and times have changed from when it was the time when it was a time when you, all you had was those business cards. Well, now we got business cards, we got Snapchat, we got IG, we got fucking Facebook, we got everything that... Everything I mean, Jimmy Livewalk said it best, you know, when I was talking to him about it because, I, you know, you know, he was on right after I was and I was still, you know, because he hit me up, you know, Jimmy and I have known each other forever. And he asked me what it was like and everything like that and I gave him my own personal opinion on it. But after he went through it and everything like that, and I told him, I was like, dude, they're dragging me back again, blah, 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 and they're going to tear my life apart. Because <laughs> uh, they were, man. They're digging. Like, you know, there's, I promise you, like, as soon as they, I get a clean bill of health, they will have me back. Doubt <laughs> about it. And I'm cool with it because, you know, I think that it'd be a perfect, you know, like, you know, um, exclamation point on my journey, if you will. Like, mm -hmm. go from this and then go all the way down and then to like save my life and then get back into tattooing and, and, and be away from it for so long for me to go back on that show and show people that I've changed both as an artist and you know as as a person you know it's gonna be me it's gonna be a good story to tell and hopefully to you know inspire hope which is the main thing I want you know but uh but Jimmy like I said Jimmy said it best it's just a 48 minute commercial bottom line Ink Masters is nothing but a 48 minute commercial and you got to do what you do and that's why I was so jealous of Jesse because no matter what they gave us, Jesse would do Jesse Smith shit. Like, it'd be this big googly-eyed thing, but it'd be badass. <laughs> it had nothing to do with the, the category, but they were still kiss his ass. And I was like, this guy is just killing it. it was, I thought he was in on it or something. Like, we had a little conspiracy thing and all that, but... <laughs> Ink Master conspiracies. We were. Like, I was always about it. I was like, man, they're videotaping me in the bathroom. I know it, blah, blah, blah. But uh, he was really smart because he went on there and he did Jesse Smith no matter what. Um... 
and he saw it like that. He saw it as a, as just free advertising. So I mean, he was really smart when it came to that. I mean, shit, I wish I was that smart. Yeah, man, it's a it's a wild it's a wild world we live in with the opportunities that we have. How was it like? Uh, did you grow up in Texas? Uh, yeah, for the most part, yeah. I mean, I moved out here. Um, I think when I was like eight. Okay. Eight. Yeah. So I mean, I've been pretty much my Texas, you know, Texas my whole life. I lived in Hawaii for about two years there, which was nice. I would oh. go back. How old were you when you lived in Hawaii? Um, I was 27. Okay, so you you, you went and experienced uh, island life for a little bit. Well, I go out there all the time now. You know, now that they have the the show out there and everything like that, it was funny because I went out there. You know, just before they started having the shows, and I was talking to them, and they were like, "Oh, it's too hard to get your license." And I was like, "I'm from the mainland, and I came out here just for." I went out there for a job interview because there was a Heart and Huntington open up out there. Mm-hmm. They saw my work and they said, "Hey, come on down." So I went out there for a job, and uh, the guy that opened it shut it down. And I was like, "Great!" Now I moved out here. I mean, what the hell am I going to do? So I worked with another cat for a while. It was a good experience because I learned how you know the the art and the meanings behind you know like you know whether it's a uh, Filipino tattooing or you know Maori or, or you know Hawaiian. I mean, you know, there's all kinds of you know different styles of tattooing that's done out there, and it was a lot more accepted, if you will, and it was before TV, so I was soaking all that in, and I came home with, uh, you know, a really, you know, broad um, education when it came to island tattoos, and that was something that not a lot of people could offer, so I started doing a lot more of, uh, you know, the Polynesian-style tattooing and everything like that, so it just gave me another niche on my belt as far as, like, being able to perform that kind of style. Now, am I good as they are? No. I mean, I'm not. I'm, you know, just Clint. I'm just from Texas, but... At least I know it. It's not like I'm just like pulling off the internet and just slapping you on here, not knowing what the hell it means, you know. So, yeah. so is it Texas food or Hawaiian food better for you? Hawaiian. Easily. Hawaiian. Easily. Especially, <laughs> especially now that I, you know, now that I'm more educated on what I put in my body, Hawaiian for sure. Like Texas is nuts, dude. It's, it's nuts. I'm telling you. Like your phone is uh, buzzing. You can totally hear it. You just lift it off the table there. Yeah. Thanks, dude. Uh, so, what do you like in Hawaii? Is it like the fresh fish or sushi? What do you What do you into when you get yeah, out there? You know everything. You know, you know. Just there's a lot more um, love behind their their preparing. Like out here in Texas, like it's about the mass quantities and like getting like forty pound steaks and things like that. And I wouldn't be surprised if that was partly the reason for my cancer. But <laughs> I'm telling you, I mean that's that's all you do out here in Texas. Like seriously, you like you come out here and you like. You know, you go to some stores and buy some boots and a cowboy hat, and you go eat at like sixty fucking restaurants in a night. I mean, it's just bananas, dude. I just had some people from a uh, from from New York come out here last weekend for the the convention that was out here, and they were just blown away by how many restaurants we passed just to get to the highway. They were like, "This is insane," and I was like, "This is normal for me." Like, <laughs> I have barbecue spots on every corner, and we have like just the worst fucking food you can think of. <laughs> so if you're going to eat out there, where, where are you going to, man? What's on the daily? Like you said, you have you changed your um, your eating habits since... Yeah. Uh, I mean, I have. I mean, I've gotten a lot more smart on what I take in, and, you know, especially now, you know, with the ostomy and, and just everything. You know, I'm, I'm you know, educating myself. Um, but there's a place called the Pecan, and it's out in Deep Home, and it's a steakhouse, and it's, it's pretty damn good. It's, I'm not going to lie, it's, pretty awesome that's my cheat meal that's that's that, that yeah one, you know um and there's another place out there too called buzz brews and it's out in deep too and it's this is all local food so it's not like this mass chain or anything like that they only have two locations in dallas and they have the best damn french toast you'll ever find i mean i've had french toast in italy and they didn't even come close to this crap wow and in tokyo like all their pancakes and french toast are all in balls i don't know why i don't know what that's about but you don't get pancakes <laughs> You get them in, in like the, like a like a big damn jawbreak or something. So it's it's I don't know. They're they're weird out there in Japan. Wild man, French toast man. I had the best French toast I ever had was at a place called Fred Sixty Twos in L.A. And it had like it was like crusted with uh, cornflakes. It was dope. That sounds great. <laughs> it was man. It was it was delicious. I I only had it once and um, it was uh, it was a wonderful experience, dude. <laughs> I mean. The French toast here that they make is just unbelievable. I don't know. It's like this round bread. And it has like, like almonds and all kinds of crap on it. It's just, I mean, I get three. I get three of them every time, and I feel so bad. I feel like a glutton every time I do it. But <laughs> people are watching me like eat this French toast like I've never tasted it before in my life. It's 
just bananas, dude. It really is. But uh, yeah, Buzz Brews out in Deep Elm. Just you know, if you come out here, just go to Deep Elm or something like that because it's all local mom and pop shops and everything like that. You'll get better food. You know, I mean, you can cook it right then and there. It's not like going to some like local chain or something like that. You know, it's just it's really good food out in Deep Elm, and that's where you know all of our shop is. It's where I learned how to tattoo. There's a lot of good shops out there. It's just a it's just a really cool vibe in Dallas just to go out to Deep Elm and just chill. It reminds me a lot of Austin. Yeah. Was you, was uh, the trip to Japan that you took, um, your first trip to Japan? Yeah, actually it was. Um, the girl that I started seeing, you know, um, it was my birthday, and she's like, where do you want to go for your birthday? And I was like, well, I always go places that, you know, i never, you know, been to and I, and I wanted to see. And she's really big in anime, and she loves the whole Japanese culture. And I was like, fuck it, let's go to Tokyo. And it was like, it was easier for me to go to Tokyo than it is for me to go to L.A. I kid you not, like... Seriously. Was, Why is that? It's just, you know, Tokyo is cleaner. They have the, the greatest transportation in the world. The people respect each other out there. I mean, for as many as there are, they still have a lot of respect for each other. And everything's just, it just seems to be more in order there. It's not so chaotic. Like, you cannot find a trash can in Japan. If you have a piece of litter, like, you're going to hold on to it all day until you get home. Like, it is the cleanest place in the world. I couldn't believe how clean it was. Wow. Everywhere and they're weird as fuck. Oh my god, they're weird. They use cartoons for everything. Everything. Everything you can think of. No matter how serious it is. It could be like talking about radioactive waste and it'll have like a cute little cat come on the screen and it'll talk about it and everything like that. And it'll have all these Chinese letters all over the place. And you're like, what the fuck? But everything, <laughs> everything also is in, in English. So all the trains that I got on, all the places that I went to, they had the the kanji the written in Japanese and then they would have it in, in English. And it was just, it just, by the third day, I knew the, the transit, you know, I knew how to get to places. And, like, we went to a festival out, way out, like, southern, you know, Japan, like, way, like, I think it was, like, three and a half hours away from Tokyo. It's called the Chichibu Festival, and it happened to be on my birthday. And it's, like, a 3,000-year-old festival, something that's, like, really, really old. It had a lot of culture to it, and it was, it was really easy to get there. Like, I was scared to death when I was looking at it. I was like, Jesus Christ, the last place I want to be lost is in Japan. You know, but uh, it was super easy i'm kidding you i mean like i went to rome and it was it was kind of hard to get around to rome germany you know but japan was i mean to telling you it was easy and it's beautiful god it's beautiful man as far as their culture and everything they just they're really about their culture and they like you know respect it and they respect each other and you would think that they'd have like a little bit more of stigmatism towards americans but they don't i had no problem out there i mean minus my tattoos there's a couple places they don't let you in for that but they're wow, nice. that's uh, it's interesting. What was this festival like, man? Being being there, how did that make you feel? Like when you you got there, you made this trek, and and yeah, like the festival it was it was wild because I landed and then we didn't go to sleep because if we did, we would have missed it. So we went out there, and it was it was really crazy because like you know the festival is is a festival that they did for this place, and it's a symbolization of strength and unity. So like these twenty guys would lift these like floats, and they're like. 10 tons, huge floats, and they would take them and they would have to go up this big hill and it leads up into the city. And they've been doing this for thousands of years, so to be a part of that, to see it, you know, I mean, to be one of the few Americans that was there for that, you know, I mean, it was just, it was something really special that, you know, I'm glad I did it. I'm glad I could say that I've seen that with my own eyes. It's something, you know, it's like the Coliseum in Rome or something like that, you know, it's, it's great to see it on a poster or anything like that, but I know what it smells like there. I know what it's like to like put my hand on that wall, and there's a big difference between the two. So to be a part of a festival like that, that that's been carried on for centuries, you know, it was it was very humbling. You know, it it definitely gives me, you know, um, the push that I have for my attitude towards life and everything like that. You know, which is good. You know, I mean, it's oh, shit. I needed it. You know. Yeah, that kind of marked that kind of marked the the vibe of your of your trip. That was early on in the trip. Talk about the talk about the rest of that trip, man, and and it had to have been cool to come off that experience right away, and then have the rest of the time to chill and and really reflect on it. I think the Japan trip was kind of needed because, like, I mean, literally, I got home and I was still dealing with my condition, and yet I didn't know what I was dealing with. And so the whole time I was in Japan, I was in pain, but it, you know, I pushed through it because I was like, I'm not missing this experience. You know, I'm in Japan. You know, it's my first time. You know, yeah, I might be in pain, but you know. It's just something that I plan for, and I'm going to be damned if I'm going to let a little bit of pain stop me. So, um, in a sense, like, the, the trip was needed because, you know, it was very, you know, 
satisfying to be able to say that I've been there, to say that I put this thing together and that I win. Um, it was great to see like this whole different side of the world and the way that they live life and everything like that. And um, it was humbling too to know that you know I achieved this on my own. And um, it kind of just taught me to just, you know be thankful for what I have and what I can do because not too many people can do that. You know, like waking up in Japan, being 15 hours ahead of you guys, you know, and, and saying to myself, like thinking about my father who, you know, works from 5 a.m. to 5 p.m. every single day, you know, for the last 35 years, you know, and he's never, you know, he's never left the United States. And he's never been to Canada or Mexico or anything, you know, the guy for a vacation for him is stay at home and watch football. Mm -hmm. I've seen the world, you know, and I've seen that on my talents. That's the thing that, you know, people, forget you know you go to all these conventions in these beautiful places like venice or you know, you know all these just great places around the world you know and you gotta stop for a second and say you know wow i can't believe that i'm here because of the fact that i'm a, a good artist that's an achievement in itself to have you know your artwork take you places you never thought you'd go yeah i think it goes back to um you know what we said about a lot of people miss, they don't necessarily maybe even miss that you got there on your art. They miss the hard work that it took the 20 years of, of pushing the, the, the hard critiques from well-respected artists. Those things that, that you had to mentally push through, you had to physically work on your craft, you had to physically work on your art. And, and that's what people forget, I think, sometimes is, is all that work that comes into it. You want that idea of... Oh, I want to be in Rome, you know, as an artist, as a famous tattooer, or I want to be in Japan and, and see these things. Man, you know, it, it takes those those steps and those efforts to get there. And, and uh, it's, it's exciting to see, you know, a guy like yourself doing it. And there's so many people out there doing it. And they're, you know, it's a, it's a different world we live in today with tattooing. And especially, I mean, that's, that is... Um, emphasized by a guy like Boog, who's developed clientele in in all different markets in the world, and um, and travels around. You know, there's not many always jobs in, we can do that. Something like that. <laughs> What's that? He's always in Paris or some somewhere like that. Always He's know. always on search for that good food and that you know that good experience. You know, I think it's like what you said about Japan and and really wanting to experience it. You know, he wants to experience those those things and that food and, and use it as an inspiration to what he's doing. Well, he deserves it. I mean, if you look at a guy like Boog, I mean, his paper trail is long and vast. You know, think about people like, you know, Jimmy Litwalk, you know. Yeah, people know who he is now because of the television show, but people don't know that, you know, Jimmy's been pumping out work for years. Mm -hmm. I mean, this guy was practically one of the godfathers of new school. I mean, he really took it to another level, him yeah. and Joe and, and, and things like that. So, I mean, you know, I hope that, you know, people can look at, pe you know, people like me or, or Boog and say, you know, I hope to get there someday. But at the same time, I realize that, you know, it's a lot of work to get there. Not just, you know, one day I'm going to pick up a tattoo machine, tattoo for a year or two, and then I'll be in Rome tattooing. It doesn't work. Right. That you know, doesn't, like, happen, doesn't happen that way, uh, typically. So, you know, let people know, Clint, where they can get a little bit more information on on what you have going on, how they can help out, even if it's just being aware and and taking steps to, um, you know, be aware of what's what's happening with with the type of cancer that you have and and how can they get involved? Um, I actually got in touch with a lot of really big name tattoo artists, um, Nico Hurtado. Jimmy B, Sarah Miller, Joe Capo, Bianco, um, Jimmy Livewall, Clean Rock One, St. Mark's. I mean, all my cats from Eight Masters and uh, a lot of other people like Roman and, and his crew and things like that. Everybody's starting to come together. And uh, I put a benefit called the Art of Heroes together. And um, I figured if I'm going to do a benefit, then I need to do something that kind of ties in with me. And I'm a huge comic book nerd. I mean, that's my thing. So, um, And also, I wanted to put the emphasis out there that, you know, the people that participate whether they realize it or not, they are a hero. I mean, for you to go out of your way to do something to help somebody else is the definition of a hero. Mm -hmm. um, and I want these tattoo artists to realize that, you know, their artwork can be so much more than just something that people buy or they look at. Like, I mean, you know, a painting that one of my friends does is going to be sold and the money's going to be given to the Colorectal Foundation. They're going to be out there. Um, I'm working with them, you know, 
every everything that I can do to help you know bring awareness you know um, I'm gonna and they're really happy I mean they're not happy that you know I have this but they're happy that um, a guy like me with the attitude I carry can you know kind of be the voice of their foundation mm-hmm. because something you know it's just it's a new kind of cancer that's just well it's not necessarily new but it's new in a sense that not a lot of people know about it like breast cancer or pancreatic right. and they don't realize that uh, this type of cancer is very painful and it takes a lot of lives and we're in the position to do something about it and the the benefit will be June 12th at my studio and from here on out I'm gonna make this the yearly event um, I think a lot of cats are gonna be out there um, a lot of people from Ink Masters um, Nico's gonna try to make it out there I think Frank Lenox is gonna be there so a lot of you know heavy hitters are gonna be there too in uh, support for both me and the foundation and uh, I try to drive it out there as much as I can that, yeah, um, I'm the guy that has the cancer, but it's not about me. It's about bringing, that's why the colorectal people are going to be out there in full force. They have the whole day to educate people. They're going to have a booth set out there. And it's just, that's what it's all about. The raffle tickets and everything. I mean, it's all being sold. And, you know, once we get the final dollar amount, you know, they're going to, they're going to receive a, a good chunk of it. You know, I'm hoping that we can raise, you know, more than $50,000, you know, and that's a good start. You know, and uh, everything goes towards something. You know, I mean, that money right there could very well save countless lives. It could, it could help me out. The worst part is though is knowing that there's children out there, like there's kids that that have to deal with this. Like I've talked to a couple parents, and they have like kids that are like in their like teens, like 15, 16, and they're going through this. And I couldn't imagine like having to go through something as as strenuous and painful as what I'm going through at that age. I couldn't do it when I was 15. Mm-hmm. Do it. I mean, I'm having a hard time doing it now, and I'm a, you know, I'm a very grown-up 15-year-old. <laughs> so yeah. I look at that though, and I see how it affects the kids, and I see how it affects the parents, and how how it's like hell on earth watching you know a child. I don't have any kids, but I can only imagine what it'd be like to watch a child in, in the kind of pain that I was in. So if if you're saying that you know if I could put a benefit together and get you know the people in my industry to help out. And there's a chance that, that some parents out there might actually benefit from a little bit of work that we do, then what the hell are we sitting around for? I mean, this is what we should be doing. We should have been doing this a long time ago. Yeah. I mean, everybody should realize that they're, they're blessed to be able to, to do what they do every single day. And on top of that, I mean, if, if you're a good tattoo artist, you make good money. You know, bottom line, I mean, there ain't a broke tattoo artist out there. You know, I'm serious. Like, if, you, if you're a tattoo artist and you don't have any money, then you're not a very good tattoo artist. I'm just saying. But, I mean, it's just all those things together. I can't think of why we can't do more. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, how hard is it for, you know, for guys like, you know, that have been tattooing for 15 plus years to put a piece of artwork out there to sell so that way, you know, somebody doesn't have to have three jobs just so they can pay for their chemo. Right. Or, you know, they can have a little bit of help, you know, to save their kids' lives. You know, I mean, it's just, there's, you know, it's just, I look at it like the NFL, and, and, and they help with the Susan G. Coleman Foundation, and it brought so much more awareness to breast cancer, things like that. And they're obviously making strides, and I'm sitting there going, we can do the same. Mm-hmm. I mean, for sure. We're a billion-dollar industry now, and, and it's time for us to do more than just, you know, you know, being selfish for ourselves, you know, we can come together and we can actually make something really, really positive and people can see us in a different light. They can see us not these bigots and these, you know, selfish people that have like no time for anybody else. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. I mean, all we do all day long is help people anyway, like, you know, with body mods or, you know, anything like that. Every, yeah, I have tattooed so many people that have like bad relationships or they had a bad day or something like that. They get tattooed and it makes them feel better. Mm-hmm. Or there's a good feeling of when you get like a piece of your sleeve added onto and you just feel good, you know. Like, you know, it's just, it's just like women going to get their nails done, you know. I mean, a tattoo, a new tattoo is a badass feeling, especially when it's a good tattoo, you know, or when it's something you didn't expect or anything like that, you know. And as good as that feels, it's gonna feel that much better to do a piece of artwork knowing that it helps save a life. Mm-hmm. I never meet that person, but they're gonna know, you know. And and the bottom line is that I would be, I. When I leave this earth, I don't want people to say, oh, that Clint guy, he was a good tattoo artist, he was funny on TV. Like, that, that's not a good legacy to leave. You know, it's, it's nothing that I want to be remembered for. I want to be remembered as, you know, a good man. You know, I mean, you know, a man's not remembered on what he built, but who he built it for. Mm. So 
So I want to leave this earth, and I want people to be like, you know, that guy, he uh, he never took anything for granted, and he tried to help out as many people as, as he possibly could, and, uh, you know, he left this world a, a little bit better than when he found it, you know, especially with my industry. You know, I love my industry to death, and I grew up, you know, in this industry. So if I can better it in any way, shape, or form, I'm going to. That's awesome, man, and it's great to have that attitude in the midst of, of, of a struggle and of, of, a, of a fight that you're going through um, and, and dealing with, man, and, it, and it's, it's great to see the encouragement, and it's great to see the positivity, and, and I think that's going to be you know, compounded by all the other artists that, that are involved, and um, I would encourage everybody to go out and check out you know, Clint's Instagram and, and, and get a hold of some information on, on this thing and, and how you can help. So. Yeah, uh, website, theartichieroes.com. They can go to it. It has all the information. It has, you know, my story as far as how I realized that I had the cancer and um, what I'm doing as far as battling it. I don't post all the time on Instagram because I don't want it to be this, you know, boo-hoo, you know, cry session. I just mm -hmm. post and then let people know that um, that I am going through this. And also, I think that if I keep posting in the hospital and things like that, then it's kind of depressing. And I don't necessarily want to give off that vibe. So I've got to, i got to balance this a little bit. Um, yeah. My Instagram is the thing I use the most. I don't really use my Facebook that much. And uh, theartofheroes.com, I update that constantly. It has, like, I think next week we'll start putting all the raffle prizes on there so people can see what we got. Cause, I mean, we have thousands and thousands of dollars worth of just Marvel and DC comic stuff. So, you know, if you got kids or anything like that, bring them out there. Like I said, all the money we're raising is, you know, going to help the Coral, you know, Coral Rectal Foundation. And uh, I hope to do a lot more work with them in the future. I know for a fact that, you know, I'm already going to go out and speak to a lot of kids and things like that around the country and everything like that. So yeah. it's great to be able to part. It's great to be able to parlay this kind of, you know, like I said earlier, a disfavorable situation into a favorable situation where you can, um, you know, now use your experience and still using your artwork because that's part of your personality to go and educate people and, and use that platform, man. And um, it's, it's really cool. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, get busy living or get busy dying, you know? I mean, it's just bottom line. And, yeah. uh, you know, I looked at it like, you know, this happened to me for a reason. You know, I'm in the hand of God right now. And, you know, for whatever reason, he chose me to carry this weight. And uh, he wouldn't put it on me if he knew I couldn't do it. So Yeah, that's it. Are, are you DC or Marvel guy? Marvel. <laughs> that's it. It was no question. Civil uh, War is coming out next week. I already planned my chemo around it. <laughs> is that right? Yeah, I, I kid you not. I told the doctors, like, let's go ahead and bump it up two days early. So I check in tomorrow just so I can make that. Usually the, the chemo sucks, man. The chemo is, like, terrible. But, I mean, it's working. I got the news last week that I'm already, like, 65%, you know, reduced as far as my tumor goes. Well, thanks, everyone. I appreciate all the listens, all the shares, all the love. Remember to follow me on Instagram and Twitter at OG Joe Swanson. You can also check out SullenRadio.com. Go pick up a print, or right now you can pick up a custom hand-etched amber glass ashtray with an ohm etched on it. I did that last week. I also have a couple more of those coming out, so stay tuned on SullenRadio.com. If you'd like to get tattooed by me or hire me to record at your event, you can please email Joe at SullenRadio.com. Thanks for all the support, everyone. Enjoy your right now and keep hustling.